Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. There are people all across the country working in various capacities that are vital to the health of dirt racing. They aren't household names and you won't hear about them in the media much, but without them, racers don't have a place or a series to race with. One of those people is Doug Lockwood. He grew up in California and spent time as the race director for the Ward of Outlaws Sprint Car Series. Currently, he's the general manager at Merced Speedway, has taken on a co-ownership role with the USAC West Coast 360 Sprint Car Series, and will manage and oversee other USAC activities on the West Coast. He joins the the show this week to talk about his new roles, running a track and series during a pandemic, working with the outlaws and much more. Before we get to Doug, this episode is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Blood carries a high-performance line of synthetic racing oils, and they've got you covered for all sorts of dirt racing applications. Engine oils, gear oils, suspension fluid, cleaning products, you name it, they've got it. Before you roll your car onto the track next time, try out their Bloodline Protection Pre-Race Spray. It's a rinsable spray oil that washes off with water and will make it easier when your race is over to clean off the mud, dirt, and gunk from your race car. It's just one example of the many products they make to keep racers going. To see the full line of blood products, check out their store or inquire about their fantastic racer support program, visit bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. Right now, they've got free shipping on orders of $50 or more. Now, let's get to my conversation with Doug Lockwood. We need to jump in and... Uh talk about all of the things you have going on. I, I, I feel like you're one of those names we've been seeing a lot in the news lately, but, uh, but just, just kind of give us a quick rundown right now of all of the things that you're kind of involved in out there in California. Uh, I'm running Merced Speedway as a general manager. I uh, just became a co-owner of the West Coast 360 series, which is sanctioned by USAC. Um, I just became basically, I guess, maybe the director of uh, operations for the USAC for the Western State Midget Series and um, run a basketball program for our local high school and um, have a go-kart that I help uh, run. So it's pretty busy times. Uh, me and you know each other from your time working for the Ward of Outlaws, and I, and I kind of want to like maybe start off with with your kind of journey to getting to that point where you were race director for the Ward of Outlaws. But you know, were, were you a driver? You know, what, what, you know, what does that look like for you to kind of get that opportunity? And and I mean, you're still a fairly young guy, and and were a young guy then when you kind of got that chance. But you know, what was that journey to getting that opportunity to to, to work with the Ward of Outlaws? Uh, I started off um, 16 year old kid wanting to be at the local racetrack. I was an athlete all life, so I really never got to play, you know, go out and race and, and do that kind of thing. But my family and friends were raised around it, and I always enjoyed it. And it was back in the day, you know, I used to race online when you had the dirt track racing game, and uh, I just, I really loved it and wanted to be around it. And and so I went as a kid when I was 16 at our local track, uh, Chachilla, which is about 15 minutes from Merced. And they used to race on Friday nights, which was perfect because I played soccer on the weekends. So I used to go out there at night and work there for just, you know, a hamburger just to be out there. I just wanted to be around a racetrack. And then I kind of uh, went to college, played, you know, soccer, came back. I got into kart racing. I raced for a few years. Um, and then I went to work for, which was SCRA out here, um, when they went to three sixties from four tens and I started helping them and then, uh, came the race director at King Speedway when I was super young. I, I want to say I was probably 24, 25. I was the race director there and, um, I was there for a while. 
And then I went to work for the, what is the West Coast Series now for Chris Kearns, uh, doing that uh, 360 stuff. And then um, when the economy crashed, whatever, back 2010 or eight, whatever it was, you know, uh, I used to work in construction and, you know, construction pretty much halted at that time in California. So I was bouncing around from jobs. I mean, I had my racing stuff, but I mean, it wasn't a job and I was always looking for something. And, and I happened to be at Hanford when uh, they needed a, when someone called me and said, Hey, the world of outlaws are hiring for an official, you know, you should look into it. And so, uh, you know, I filled out the app and had conversations with them and then went out on the road there for about a year and a half with your brother and Aaron Noel, and we traveled for a while, but it just wasn't the suitcase life just wasn't for me. You know, a lot of people, it is a way that they enjoy it and traveling. And I loved going to different places, but I wasn't the guy that wanted to go and go see do. Uh, things like I was the guy that wanted to relax when I got to the hotel and didn't want to go and do anything and so I found myself after a while just not being being happy being away from home being away from my family so um, I came back home went back to work for USAC again I was with them for uh, I think like two and a half years and then the local promoter here at Merced uh, passed away in uh, 2000 June of 2018 and they finished the year without him and then the track went up for bid and a couple of local promoters here, you know, came to me over the winter and asked me if I'd be interested in running the track for them because they just don't have the time to do it. And if we did it, it would basically be mine to run. And so uh, that's where I ended up here now. Your time with the World of Outlaws, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, you hear people all the time that say that, you know, they want to be an official, they want to work for the series. Like, what kind of knowledge, what kind of background do you need to have to be able to be an official to, you know, to be able to work for a series like the Outlaws? Um, I just, I mean, I felt like I had so, because I started so young. Like, when I went to work for them, I had already been, there, so... Right now, this is my 22nd year being involved as an official or a race guy. I just turned 38 yesterday. So, you know, 22 years, I mean, it's over more than half of my life that I've been in this business. So when I went to work for the Outlaws, I had already been doing it for, you know, 12, 14 years and felt like I had the knowledge of what needed to be done to go out there. Um, and obviously being with open wheel stuff that I had done that it was a little bit different I felt like I had that knowledge you know but you can't train yourself to get yelled at by Steve Kinzer <laughs> or Donnie Schatz or any of those guys but what is cool about working for those guys is, is it is a big family as you know everyone out there no matter what happens for the most part everyone's going to have your back and and want to be a part of it when you're out on the road. How difficult is it when you're the guy on the radio, like on the receiver, you know, telling these guys what to do? And I mean, you know, obviously, I'm sure you were yelled at plenty of times and, and probably did some yelling of your own. But like, how difficult are those are, are those situations? I've I've really never felt it to be difficult at those times because I've prided myself in making sure that I'm as consistent, as fair as everyone. My number one rule, like when I started a racetrack here and I had to break these guys is, is that everyone's a car number. I don't use any names whatsoever when I get on the radio because if you do that, then someone might get offended that you know 
that person's name, but you don't call the other one by their name. So I've always made it a point to always call them by the number. Now, I mean, there was some times where I've dreaded, you know, coming down afterwards, you know, you know, they're coming for you. I mean, I have one specific one I remember from when I was out with the outlaws, but, um, you know, for the most part, I always felt a hundred percent confident in everything I did. So it never, I never felt like bad about it. It was just, you know, you just, it's frustrating for those guys because you know, they put the time and work in it, but that's also why we're there is to make sure that the rules and the events and everything are held up the way they're supposed to be. And that's why we're there. So, uh, never too bad, but there was a couple instances where you're just like, man, as soon as I go down there, they're going to find me and they're going to let me know. What, what does that look like? I, you know, I, I obviously I know Carlton, you know, Reamers is, is seriously involved there as well when it tum, you know, comes to those decisions and things like that. But, you know, are, are you consulting with him? Is that like you guys are going to tag team a situation like that? What does that look like when, you know, when somebody is pissed off and they're, and they're coming at you like that? I think for the most part, I mean, I always ask my, you know, officials on the track, hey, what'd you see? Go through the process, you know, then go over it. And sometimes Carlton wasn't up there. If he was, you know, he's he's not, he's like not hands-on as much in that sense as, as maybe most people think, or at least when I was up there, it didn't. You know, I spent a lot more, you know, with like talking to Eloy with lineups and stuff like that was more than that I mean now if it was something big or serious or you wanted a second opinion you could turn around and ask Carlton hey you know what do you what do you think on that but for the most part I mean you know they pay us to do a job and and that's our job and if we need a second opinion they're there but they don't you know they're not jumping over the top of you to tell you what to do you you know then leave the world of outlaws and, and come back west to do some USAC stuff and uh, you, you know, what are things that you kind of took with you? Like, you know, maybe lessons you learned or, or, you know, ways to handle things that, you know, when you came back out West and started doing things out in California that you were able to kind of lean on from your, your time without laws and, you know, the things you learned from those guys. I think most of it is that I just came back a little bit more uh, tame when I was young, obviously, you I mean, you think you don't do no wrong. Right. So I was always a hothead or I handled things by yelling or screaming or, you know, but now it's, you know, you let it, I found that I always had an open, open book with the racers before, during, after, no matter what it was, like, you guys can come and talk to me whenever, you know, and, and I think that will, that helped them a lot, you know, as far as the drivers so that they knew everything that was going on um, with stuff. And it was the same situation back for them, you know, they felt like they didn't have to get all worked up or or weren't holding grudges for weeks because they were able to talk to you. So when I came back home, you know, I brought that same kind of relaxed sensitivity towards the drivers and just have, I've always left an open communication and wanted to make it to where, you know, you come to the races. I want it to be fun for you. I don't want, I don't want you showing up mad. And that's kind of what happened towards some of the end of my things that I've done out here. I've had to leave because I just, I'm not having any fun. If you're not having any fun, I don't want to continue to do it. So, um, you know, that's a big thing with me is, you know, leaving an open book and making sure people have fun because it is a hobby at the end of the day out here. Now, when you were out there, it was a job. So you learn that you learn that, Hey, you gotta be professional in every sense of the, you know, what you're doing so that they respect you when it comes down to it, because you're, Sometimes a decision I make affects their livelihood, but 
that's what I'm there for is to make those decisions. Do you think that you were maybe looked upon differently when you came back to California? I mean, did the competitors look at you differently that, you know, maybe track people and things like that, knowing that you had just come off of, of working with, you know, the series and, and dealing with drivers like Donnie Schatz and Steve Kinzer and things like that? Uh, I think a lot of them were happy to have me back. I mean, I, I tend to think that because, you know, they, they, as you know, it's not easy finding officials. It's not easy finding people in this business. And so I've been, you know, whenever I've left, sometimes it's been hard to find someone to, to put the commitment or the knowledge that I've had in to replace me. And so when I came back, the drivers kind of just were happy, the owners, you know, um, I don't think it was any, you know, I got a little bit of stuff because I've always been a non-wing guy. And then when I go out to do wing stuff, you, know, you get a little bit of banter about that. But for the most part, you know, it's, it was more of, you know, hey, hope you enjoyed it, but we're glad to have you back. I know when you first kind of came back out, you were doing like a lot of stuff like with micros, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and I have to ask you about the famous Doug Lockwood video. Uh, of you literally catching a micro sprint that was like out of control, like barehanded, like, you know, take me back to, to that day and, and, you know, what your role was and, and what the situation was. So that was a, it was a go-kart, a kick go-kart. And, um, I went out to that track. It was in Chachilla actually. And we, I left that business last year, but I started out when I went out to race one time, you know, I thought I was still young you know, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it is now. And I, I gave up like halfway through the night. I went and found a kid to go drive the car. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this no more. My body can't handle it. And so I was, you know, we ended up, I see we like have 45 carts and it took like nine hours to run the show. And I'm just like, man, I went to the guy that ran it and I said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to come out and help you and show you some, you know, ways to make things better so that you can, get people out of here a little bit quicker and not string out the day so much. And so I started helping him. Well, then that next year, he's like, Hey, would you be interested in coming back and being race director? So I was like, okay. So the way this like tracks laid out is we race in the winter and it's a covered like barn for like the fair animals and all around the whole fairgrounds is where everyone parks. And so this, the girl goes off earlier in the night, like, kind of thought you heard it you know where because you can tell when it because it was a beginner class and they're not on the pedal right they're not and all of a sudden you hear and i'm like what the you like everyone's looking around well she was flying out the exit and i see this cart go like flying to the left down the road and i'm like well where the hell did that thing go like where where is that cart going and then i see a guy go flying on a quad well then she circled and did a bunch of donuts out there she came back went through a bunch of pit spots again. And then she went down the one side of the building. And so she went around the outside and I saw her going to churn and I was, I was on the quad in the infield. So I was just going to go stop it with the quad. Well, when I got out the exit on that side, there was hay bales on the ground. So I couldn't get the quad out over the hay bales. So I just stopped the quad right there and I jumped over the hay bales and I was like, well, she's going to come around the corner. So she's going to scrub a little bit of speed. And, and I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And in fact, the only thing I was thinking was the road she was going down at the very end was my car. <laughs> oh man, my car's going to get just drilled right now. So she came around the corner and I just reached out and she just scrubbed, I guess, just enough speed. And 
I had enough bulk on me that I was able to hold on for dear life and drug her, drug me for a few feet. And then I was able to pull it back to get it kind of like on its rear bumper so that it, you know, was spinning the tires there and then just reached down on the thing and turned it off. I mean, thankfully, the only thing I really had was a, a bruise on my arm where the wing initially just hit me. Uh, yeah. But I even got it checked out and had no blood clots or anything. I remember that video. It was like all of a sudden you kind of come out of nowhere and grab a hold of that thing, and it was like, "Damn, Doug!" It was yeah. uh, it was a pretty wild situation. But uh, tell me, you know, kind of about some of the stuff that you're involved in now. Like I, I know you mentioned earlier about getting involved with Merced. Um, you know, w- what's your kind of role at Merced? I, and you know, I know we, we we talked about you being general manager, but like you know, on a day to day, week to week basis, like when when the season's going on, like you know, w- what are you kind of doing at, at Merced in that role? Well, normally when we're in non-pandemic mode, you know, I'm uh, I'm doing the track prep here now with a guy named Dale that helps me out. We're out here during the week. I do all the payouts. I do all the paperwork during the week. I mean, you name it, and I'm the one that's doing it. This is my full-time, you know, job and and taking care of it. We had, you know, last year we spent a lot of money re. Uh, redoing like the racetrack we rebanked it brought in new clay and redid the whole thing took out like four feet of the infield and lowered it and uh you know put in our own scale pad like just everything to just kind of make it a place that people want to come race that was what i wanted to do with it here i mean as crazy as it sounds i mean i've been doing it 22 years before last year i never worked in my hometown i I mean it's not like this is where I got my start at. Like this is where I wanted to go to make things better. And and the one thing that, you know, when I grew up that was always frustrating was as Merced was always the same divisions week in, week out, always, you know, 26 times a year. It was the same show every single week. And I wanted to bring a different flavor. I wanted to bring sprint cars in. I wanted to bring dwarf cars in, midgets in. Like I wanted to bring big shows in. And, and make it a place where these guys want to come and race, like, and mix it up for my fans. You know, the fans want to see stuff different each week. You know, hey, oh, man, I might not want to go. Oh, man, there's midgets racing? Yeah, I want to go. Like, you want to you have that attachment. And then also having a weekend off every month, that was a huge deal for me, making sure that the officials, crews, drivers, everyone could have a weekend off to go to the lake or go wherever because it gets hot here in the summer. <laughs> You know, it gets about 108, 110, you know, in August, and it ain't no fun out here. And so, you know, that's what I'm doing here in Merced is just trying to build it up. We had a great year um, planned this year. We got our ASCS race in, which is uh, shown on MAP TV quite a bit. Um, We had a good show that night, and then we got canceled before our second race of the year, and we were shut down. And then we started up again in June, ran one race with no fans. We're in in August. I put together that IMCA Speed Week out here, um, and we did six races, six tracks in six days. So I ran that series, plus, you know, having a track in the middle of it was fun in August, but got lucky with the weather. So I've, li- I've had three races this year. How difficult has it been, like, with the pandemic, you know, to try to put stuff together and, and make sure you're following the rules and, and you know, making sure the local government's happy? And, and, you know, I mean, are people, like, are racers kind of beating down your door trying to get you to open back up? Or, you know, what's it been like? 
Yeah, I mean, my, for the health part of it, it's not been too bad with our county here. You know, they're just like, hey, here's the state guidelines. Just follow them, please. Make sure you have everything done. As to where some of these other counties, they're getting like restricted pit people, like how many people they can have, you know, and such. So we've been blessed in that way. Um, but at the same time, it's you when you do an event with no fans, you have to have sponsorship. You have to have the pay-per-view and you got to have uh, like a home run event. That's what I call it because – I mean, you're just not going to make enough, you know, it's hard enough to make it in this business with fans and then to try and make it without fans. I call it like I have to do home run events. Like I got to make sure. So um, that's kind of where I've went with the whole strategy of everything is just to make sure that when I open the gates, I'm going to have a hundred plus cars in the pits because that's what I need to make it work. When you put together that IMCA Speed Week, which I remember, and, and I can't remember if it was on Flow or on Speed Shift, one of the two, um, but like wh- how much preparation, how much does, you know, work does it take to put something like that together where you're going to race, you know, over an entire week at multiple racetracks? Well, I wish I could have had longer, but it was a crazy idea I had to get. Um, it was on Flow and Speed Shift. It was when they combined. So they right. have been on both. Um but I, I was sitting at home in July, like right at the end of June, beginning of July. And I was watching like a, I think an ocean race on Wednesday. And then Marysville was racing Thursday and, and someone was running Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday. And I'm like, man, you ain't never seen this in California. Like we don't race midweek out here. Like everyone's Friday or Saturday. And I sat there and said, man, this is the time if racetracks are doing this, like this will be the great time to try and do a speed week. So I sat there and I put it out on my Facebook just randomly like, hey, drivers, would you support a speed week if there was one put together? And like two days later, I had six tracks committed and I had a schedule out on 4th of July and we started in the middle of August. So we put it together in a month and um, I was hoping to get like 60 cars, right? We were doing two divisions only. We did one local division as a support class. And I was like, if we could get 60 cars between the two classes, like it'll be, you know, it'll be something to build on. And we ended up averaging 82 cars in an event. And we had over, I think it was like 50, 52 modifieds and 30 sport mods is what we ended up. And it just crushed it. It was, it was way successful. And hopefully we're going to be able to build on it. We just uh, got a contract with flow again for the next three years for it. So, um, excited you know we're going to be able to go to reno in december and hopefully be able to get more tracks and kind of expand it maybe and give a day off in the middle for the racers how do you work with the other tracks out there i mean obviously there's a ton of great racetracks in california but you know are you kind of in communication with those other you know track promoters and gms you know to try to you know see what you guys can do together yeah i feel like i kind of have an advantage at that because of my traveling from USAC days I, w- I went to a lot of the racetracks so I have relationships with a lot of the other promoters and it was easy you know I have most of them in my phone and it wasn't like who is this guy you know what I mean like I have I had some sort of relationship so when I text them you know and said hey are you guys interested yeah I think so and and it wasn't too hard you know you, you're trying to convince a guy to take a leap on a speed week on a Monday night you would think it would have been more of like a well, I don't know I'll let you know you know, everyone was on board. They're like, yep, yep, yep. And, you know, I guess just trusted in what we were going to do and what we build on. 
if I remember correctly, you, were you going to have a World of Outlaws show this year at Merced? Or I did- was. I had it on 410. Oh, that sucks. Just absolutely a dream crusher, right? Yeah. We had some cool stuff planned for that. We were going to get our mayor out and everything, man. It was, you know, 410 day, World of Outlaws, like a day that everyone loves sprint cars and just <laughs> just crushed. How do you, like when you're going to put your schedule together, and, and I don't know if you're already working on this for 2021, but, you know, what does that look like when you, you know, you want to schedule a, a series like the Outlaws or, you know, you want to put together special events or some of the other traveling stuff in California? Like, what does that look like? For the most part, it's all done when we, most of the West Coast promoters, we all meet in Reno in the first week of December. And we all go there. It's the RPM convention. And most of the time we all just, you know, there's this uh, little area down by a bar that has a table and there's a lot of pencils and papers and everyone tries to work with each other and you kind of move around the days and every, most of the scheduling is all done there. It'll be a little different this year, obviously, with uh, doing a racetrack and traveling series, but um, it, it's I would say it's pretty simple. Uh, 90% of the promoters out here all get along and are going to do the best to make it better for the sport so that it's better for each other. Because the more we can all get along, then, you know, the better it is for the racers and everyone else. And I think that's the most important thing going into 2021. Like after coming off a year like this, it's, you know, we're, I've talked about it with the, one of the other promoters about actually renting a room in Reno before it all starts and inviting all the promoters in here and just, you know, laying it down and not, not to be like rude, but like, Hey, if you guys want to work together, we're going to work together right here in this room. If you don't then exit. So we know you're not on team a here because everyone out here needs to be working together this coming year. Give me an idea about your, your ownership now or co-ownership with the, uh, the USAC West coast series. I know that was announced not that long ago, but how did that come about and, and why is that something you wanted to do? Also, uh, Chris Kearns, you know, I used to work for him when I was race director before I left and uh, he's getting ready to move um, out to the Midwest in the next maybe six to months to a year. And we had talked about it over, you know, the last couple months about doing something of that nature and him wanting me to get back involved and kind of be a face out here on the West Coast. And if I could... Uh, you know, go and pop in at races if I can and just kind of help, you know, uh, make it a little bit better. So he, you know, we worked out some details and, and figured it out. And um, I think we're, we're on the right track at making that better. So I'm going to be a co-owner with Chris and, and try and uh, make non-wing racing a little bit better out here on the West Coast now. What, what is kind of the state of, of that series right now and, and, you know, some of the non-wing stuff out there? It's just kind of everywhere. I mean, they were trying to book races, but it's it's hard because you can't ask a promoter to pay a full purse out here right now with no fans. I mean, CRA, like you can't even book a 410 race without huge sponsorship because it's just not feasible. So then you got some of these guys that are just like, hey, I'm not going to race right now. So you're you're in this middle you're in between where you got guys saying hey give us a race like we'll come race basically for nothing or you know you do this so we got a race this weekend at Petaluma um got a a sponsor that's helped kick in the purse to raise it up a little bit to help those guys and hopefully we'll be able to get one of our higher car counts but 
these guys, I think, are going to end up with having a total of uh, four races this year. And then I wanted to ask you too about the uh, the Wild Wing Shootout. You're involved with that here coming up. Uh, I think what right after the first of the year. Yeah, that's another Chris Kearns thing. He hits me up and says, "What are you doing in January?" And I was like, "Well, I'll be in basketball season." Like, oh, okay. Well, then basketball season got moved because of the, the pandemic. So. Hey, what are you doing in January? And I said, what do you got going on? And then he told me and, uh, you know, Tommy and I are going to work together on, on it. It's going to be the IMCA modifieds and the 410 wing cars. And, uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, we've got some pretty big names that are going to come out West and, uh, come play for a few days. Is that something like, I mean, are they, you know, enlisting you to help kind of get some cars out or are you kind of handling more of the modified side of it? So the, I think what the plan is when Chris and I talked was Tommy's kind of handling like the, the event side, pit side, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll be race directing the event with the modifieds and the sprint cars. You know, um, you know, obviously I have a rep, you know, reputation or a um, base built with some of the 410 guys. And then a lot of the modified guys out here from the speed week and what I do at my local track. So um going to try and go out there and make that an event where it's a little bit warmer in January. So um, I think it's going to be really good. So they're going to go right from the wild West to the wild wing. And um, it'll be good for the fans out there too. You know, I've already been, I've been kind of watching what people post and they're all excited about, you know, being able to stay out an extra week to watch some more racing. And it's, it's different from the wild West, you know, the wild West is late models they run the USRA modifieds and the X mods, which are a little bit more power, different tire, different car. And then you bring in the IMCA modifieds and wild wing with the four tens. And it's going to be a good two, two and a half weeks of racing. What's the rest of your year look like? I know you talked about RPM and, and stuff in Reno, but are, are you trying to schedule more races and, you know, does it get to a point where you kind of have to shut down? Does it get too cold or, you know, are you able to kind of keep trying to schedule stuff? I've actually got more races scheduled in the next, next uh, month and I have had all year. So um, the next weekend we're running our normal uh, dirt nationals here. Uh, John Ford Jr. and and Bob Smith uh, Memorial race. We run every year at the end of the year. It's kind of like our local end of the year race for those classes. And then uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I was doing a Friday night race for those guys with our race savers. Well, then when all the stuff with USAC came, I called Levi and I said, Hey, there's no turkey night, man. What can we do? I, w- I want to have a national race. And so we started talking, and I didn't want it to be like turkey night, right? I don't I don't want nothing to, like, step on anyone's toes or anything. So we decided, well, you know, let's do Tuesday, Wednesday, and then everyone can be home on Thursday because most you don't have to work on Thanksgiving for most people. So, you know, Wednesday would be a good night to do it. So scheduled a midget race or midget practice and I'm running micros and the BCRA lightning sprints on Tuesday night. And I was like, man, I want these guys. I mean, just practice is always boring, right? It's like, it's not fun. So, you know, I've been watching like what, um, Indy did with the BC race, you know, they did the police in pursuit and you see the match races. So I said, I want to kind of do something like that. So we're going to do a match race with 24 drivers. They'll all draw a stick for their group. 
they'll get split into four brackets pretty much. So there'll be four groups of six. They'll go out and race uh, six laps, and the top three from each one will go on. So then we'll have two six-car semifinals. They'll all redraw again. Top three from each one of those goes, and we'll have a six-car finale for 10 laps, a 1,000 to win. And, you know, that, that should get some blood um, flowing. You know, the guys that want – and it gives them also an opportunity kind of just to test the track under racing conditions and not so much just practice. So that was a big deal on what I wanted to do on Tuesday. And then, obviously, on Wednesday, we're going to do a, a full midget race and a full wing 360 race. What uh, are you going to run just like a standard format for that for that midget race? Is it just going to be like standard USAC yeah. format? Yeah, standard USAC format, and then a standard. We're going to follow the like SCCT out here their format for the wing cars. Nice. So with all of these things going on, I, I'm curious, kind of what your what your future plans are. Do you, do you have more ideas for Merced? You know, you know what what do you kind of want to do even you know even more going forward? Uh, well, I mean. I just want to, I just want, I, I felt like we had a good schedule this year at Merced and it just like just d- destroyed. Like we had a, we were bringing back our uh, destruction derby during our fair that hadn't been here in a while. You know, I had some midget races that worked out really well last year. We did a one on Easter weekend where we did like a trick or treat style for the kids and had an Easter bunny and like to, you know, making it, my thing is I was always making it fun. You know, we talked a little bit about that earlier and that's, that's try to what I concentrate on it from here, from the racer side of standpoint, the fan standpoint. And we're, I think we're going to do another ASCS race to start the year off. Uh, it was very successful. We ended up setting uh, the California record for car count. We had like 52 or 53, I believe it was at our race. Um, you know, and go from go from there. Uh, I haven't talked to the outlaws yet because obviously they they probably just don't know what we're what we're doing out here, and that's the hard part. We can schedule all the stuff with our local traveling clubs out here because we're all going forward. Like twenty twenty one will be better for everyone, and that's the only way you can go about it right now. Is just hope you know with your schedule that by March April that everything will be a little bit better for everyone to come in the come and watch races here because right now, I mean, the fans are not allowed. Yeah. Are there things you want to do at Merced? Are there facility improvements, things like that, that you're, uh, that you're wanting to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to put a new scoreboard in, uh, this last year we put in a new fence in our turn two area. Um, we want to probably finish the back straightaway and some of the stuff we did. Um, but we did a lot last year. I mean, we did a huge amount of upgrades last year. We redid my office that I'm in here, got completely done. Our beer room that we serve out got redone. Um, we lowered the infield here four feet. Uh, we redid the banking here. It used to be really low. It's got about 23 degrees now here. It's hard to see it in pictures, but I mean, racing wise, you can see it. Um, we put in our own drive-on scale pad out here so you don't have to set up one of those dinky ones each time. The guys can roll right on, roll right off, you know. And I feel like we've we've done the right things because, I mean, every week it seems like our pits are really small here. And every week we have to put people out in our overflow parking lot. And it's now became just like our parking lot. Like it, we just don't take it down because we have to use it almost every single week. 
what uh, what does that kind of mean to you? Uh, you know, I'll let you go here, but I, uh, what does it mean to you as somebody from California, from that area, to then be able to come out there and and you know make improvements at Merced and and get involved with ownership and and really try to elevate things out there? It's meant a lot to me. You know, I take pride in it. I got to work with my mom for you know six months before she passed away. Um, you know, she always supported in what I did, but was never. Uh, you know, never worked with her. And so be able to do that for a while and just people out here that I've known all my life. But when it came to the weekends, I went one direction and they were always at a different one. So, you know, to come back here and and see it going the right direction is what, you know, means the most to make it the most successful it can be. And we have a five-year contract. This is year two, you know, and hopefully to be done at the end of it and say, Hey, you know, success, let's, let's do another five you know, and, and see where we go with that. You know, that's what we, we want, you know, is just to give the locals a place where they want to come and race. They don't want to go out of town every weekend They where they can come. And this is the place that they want to be at is what we've set out to do. And I think we're on the right track for that. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking some time with me today. But uh, if, if people want to come to Merced, if you want to race at Merced, what's, uh, you know, how can we get in contact? What, you know, what are we, what websites can we go to? Where can we find out what's going on with you guys? So our website's uh, www.mercedspeedway.net. We also use the My Race Pass uh, for all of our stuff. And um, that's, those are our contacts, all of our phone and email. Everything goes through the website, so it's super easy. I mean, I don't even think I've taken the track phone home once. It probably hasn't been charged in six months. It's just, it's so frustrating, you know, uh, as much as the fans want to be back and we want them to be back, it's it's hard telling them, hey, is the fan, is stands open? No, still, we'll let you know. Trust us when we, we'll, we will let you know when we get it. So uh, that's just where we're at, man. We just want to get back to normal. Uh, but everyone being so safe and healthy is it it's the most important thing, but at the same time, it can be frustrating because you watch and tune into like an outlaw race or something somewhere, and the stands are packed out there, and you're just like, "Why <laughs> that yeah, no doubt well, Doug, I certainly appreciate the uh, the time today. It was good catching up, and uh, good luck with everything out there. All right, man, I appreciate it. In just a few short years, Doug has established himself as an important figure in the California dirt racing scene, and his passion for the sport and the community is easy to see. He's taken on several roles and wants racing on the West Coast to thrive. It will be fun to see what he continues to do down the road. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.